that is the essence of worship. Is uh, getting on the same page with God. Is the essence of prayer. It, it's, it, it is the essence of being in right relationship with God. After we have sought Him. And in the, in the process of seeking Him, He speaks to us. Worship and prayer is then speaking back to Him. It's our opportunity to kiss the face of God. And uh, God sits on His throne and He's mighty and holy and powerful. And to see Him would, would be our demise. We would be consumed. Jesus walked among us. He wrapped our flesh. God wrapped his fle- our flesh around Him and walked among us. And He did that. And, but He's ascended to heaven now. But what we have is what Jesus called someone better than Him. We have Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit lives in all those who call Him Savior. And so what our supreme job is on at a time like this, on the, on especially the day that we have set aside to worship, but every single day, is to be in tune with Holy Spirit. And so a song like that says, you are welcome here. And by that, like Ben so eloquently prayed, by that we say, I'm choosing in in what Rachel said and we are choosing uh, to be focused on that and and not on other things we're choosing to be focused on that and we're choosing to let that be the influence of everything we say everything we do everything we think everything in which we're involved choosing that think about that Think, just look around for a second at a room this size. What would happen if all of us chose to be in tune with the Holy Spirit at the same time? What could He do through us? He could change the world. What could he do of all of us, this entire church? All of us who are gathered here and gathered in the other room. If we all were in tune and on the same page with Holy Spirit at the same time. What could he do? What could he do? He could change the world. He could change this community. He could change. How about this? How about he could change this church? About he could change us individually. That is the focus of being intentional. It's the focus of, a, of being an intentional church. 
is to go about everything that we do as a, ter- as a church with intentionality. Not some rote, prescribed practice that we say this here, we do this here, we think this here, but it is this intentional searching for Christ and an intentional sharing of the gospel. The searching for Christ leads us to the sharing of the gospel. You know, our, we, have, we have a vision statement at First Baptist Church. It's long. I doubt many of you have it memorized. But since I'm on staff here, it's kind of a thing that I, have, I do. It's kind of a thing all of us do. We, un, we understand our vision statement. Sort of an occupational hazard not to know that if you work on staff here. But it is this. We believe we exist to glorify God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. By involving them in in a Christ-like family, by leading them to Christ-like maturity, and involving them in meaningful ministry. And we've well, here 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 is the vision statement that you can take with you. That's easy. That broken down into three words is knowing Christ, being with Christ. Going with Christ. Knowing, being, going. The knowing leads us to being. The knowing and being lead us, leads us to going. Knowing, being, going. That's intentional church. What, is, what does this focus look like in, in an illustration? This vision statement. We believe we exist to glorify God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ. Involving, and that thing that I just said. What does that look like? Well, here it is illustrated. It's called the spear. All right? Yes, I know. Here it is again. My bachelor's degree, secular degree, was in communications. And this is what I learned in communications. And it's in organizational communication. About the time that those in leadership and in leadership of an organization, feel like if I form the words toward in, of this vision again in my mouth, I think my head will explode. About that time is when the people in your organization will go, hey, that's that vision, isn't it? Oh yeah, you've said that before. So, here we go. My head's not about to explode, I promise But I understand the necessity of saying this over and over and over. The point of our spear, the point of our spear at First Baptist Church is reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The head of our spear is particularly is focusing on families with children at home. Why that? Does that mean that everybody else can just, you know, well, if they hear the gospel, that's okay? No, that's not what that means. Everybody. The gospel is for everyone, everywhere. But we understand in our culture, 
if, if a person does not receive Christ before the age of 21, the percentage and likelihood of that person coming to know Christ greatly falls. So in our culture, our focus must be there. That doesn't mean that we don't share the gospel with everyone everywhere, but we have to be particularly, particularly concerned with that particular group. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. I've said it a lot. I hope we're getting there, okay? Now, the, the shaft of that spear are all the things that we do in order to carry that. The head of the spear. The things that we do in order to transport our vision, right? And it is, it is this uh, having awareness of the loss in our community. But not, we pray for an awareness so then we can pray for them. All right? So there's an awareness that has to occur. There's a prayer. It has to, it has to accent. It has to season our prayer. Praying for the lost. We have, then, then we have to be equipped to share the gospel. We have to be equipped to, sh to share, have gospel conversations. That has to, there's the intentionality. We can't just say, oh Lord, save the lost. We've got to be praying, God, show us who they are. Show them, show them to me, God. Give me a broken heart for them. Let me see them the way you see them. And then give me opportunities to share my story. Telling your story. My story. With them. Of how you saved me and changed my life. Right? And then there's this partnership with First Baptist Church. We as a leadership need to be partnering with you, all of us, together. Partnering. The church as a whole. Partnering with the church as the individual. To, to do things. To lead. To provide opportunity for people to hear the gospel. And not only hear it, but respond. And in the process of doing that, as we do what God has called us to do, what Jesus told us to do as He was leaving, our church is going to grow. Our church is growing. And we have to begin thinking this new scheduling paradigm is the way we're thinking creatively about providing more space. Providing more space for people as they come to be a part of First Baptist Church. Now, the key to that, the key to the head of a spear and the shaft of the spear is the binding. You see the binding up here? I know there's something going over here, on over here right now. And that's just a distraction. That's just a distraction that sometimes pe people do unwittingly. Sometimes the devil uses to keep us from focusing on the main thing. But look, the main thing right now is up here. Hey! Right here, here's the main thing. This moving from theory to action, it makes, it makes complete sense to me that this would be going over on, on over here while I'm trying to say this. Because this is what holds it together. If we're not moving from theory to action, then we effectively exist as Christian atheists. Because we say we believe one thing about the gospel and our lives say something else. 
So we must be moving from theory to action. And that is what this sermon series right here is all about. Being an intentional church. Doesn't that make sense? It sure made sense when we were planning all this. Praise God. When God gave this to us, praise God. Let me tell you, on our journey to become an intentional church, we've talked about several things. We've talked about being an intentional church in evangelism. We've talked about being intentional in discipleship. This is the process, okay? The first step in discipleship is coming to know Christ. There's the first. We have to be in intentional in our evangelism we have to be intentional then in our discipleship we can't just be a church that makes church members we can't just be a church that makes converts because that's not what jesus said when jesus was going into heaven he said go make disciples so just the uh, the first part huge part but not bigger than the rest is evangelism is coming to know christ and we should make a big deal about that Right? But we can't leave people alone. We have to be intentionally involved in the discipleship process, which is ministry. We've talked about being an intentional church, having a church with intentional ministry. We've been talking about being a church with intentional worship. And today, in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about something that is incredibly important to me. It's becoming a church that is intentional in the way we fellowship. In the way we fellowship. You know, in our Christian circles, the word fellowship has come to mean little more than Christian social activity. I know Brother Fred shared this. (laughs) Brother Fred shared this joke today or this week. Leading up to this, I had debated about whether or not to use it, but if it's good, awesome. If it's bad, it's Brother Fred's. <laughs> well, these little kids were kids were or invited to bring something that talks about their uh, to class that talks about their faith. Where well, there's a little Jewish boy, and the little Jewish boy brought his homilica. He brought and he said, and this is a rep- representation of my faith. And a little, and then there was a little Catholic girl. And she came to church and she brought her rosary. This is very important to my faith. And then, there's, then she called on the next little boy. And this little boy was a Baptist. And he reached down under his desk and pulled out a casserole dish. <laughs> very important to my faith. All right. <laughs> but anyway, that may or may not have been Brother Fred's joke. It may mean the exchange of our, our definition of fellowship may mean the exchange of pleasantries over coffee and cookies. Or it could be uh, what, you know, it could be the social functions of our high school students or college students or campus ministry groups, but it's not the meaning of fellowship in the New Testament. Biblical fellowship is something different. It means something different. You know, I, like, I, went, I went right to my nerdy place this week. Some of you are going to be like, yes, I like this nerdy place. But when I was thinking about fellowship and what a closer meaning to fellowship that maybe we've been exposed to is the fellowship of the ring. 
the Lord of the Rings. I see some applause. Some of you are like, yes, I'm a proud nerd. Yeah, but in the Lord of the Rings, it's called the Fellowship of the Ring. That doesn't mean that they got together around a ring and ate food. That meant that they were together. Right? And that is the biblical, closer to the biblical meaning of fellowship that we're going to talk about for the next two weeks. Look, I want us to talk about today about what fellowship is not. Maybe what fellowship has become, both personally and corporately in our church, or in church, churchdom. All right? Before, before we do that, Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. May our fellowship now with you be sweet. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we've been looking at the book of, in the book of Acts in uh, chapter 2. And I want, to point on, I want to point out three verses today. We're going to read those real quick. And then we're going to talk about three things of how, how we... We're going to talk about what fellowship is and then maybe th in three ways that we get it wrong. All right? So re if you have your Bible, turn to uh, Acts chapter 2. If not, we want to have the uh, scripture on the screen. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Okay? Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, then 44, then 46. Look at verse 42. It says, and this, we're talking about the very first church, the very first one. When they talk about first Presbyterian, first Methodist, first Baptist, first whatever, this is just first. And at that time, the only church there in the book of Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to, break, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Okay? It's, it's, you see how the breaking of bread is separate from fellowship. Fellowship was a so it was a bigger deal, okay? It was a fellowship of the being together, all right? Look at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. See, this is giving us a clue to what fellowship really is. It's this togetherness, this stubborn togetherness. And had all things in common. And look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Fellowship means something more than we've made it. The word here is, the, the Greek word here being used is, maybe you've heard it before, it's koinonia. All right? And there's two aspects to this word. Two aspects to this concept of fellowship. First of all, there's the noun aspect of koinonia. Now you really, and look, I'm really going to get nerdy now because I'm giving a Greek lesson. So bear with me. It'll make sense. There's, there's the noun form or the noun aspect of koinonia, which refers to relationship. It refers to community. That fellowship talks about a relationship. The relationship. The community of believers. It's, look, and there's a, there's a process of this. There is a proper way this is laid out. It is first with God. Our fellowship must be always 
forever and ever, amen, with God. First, with God. Everything else flows out of that relationship. It, our fellowship must be defined and fueled by our relationship with God. How I exist in fellowship with you, my brothers and sisters, must always be fueled, driven by my relationship with the one who saved me. It must be, first and foremost. And it's not by accident. That doesn't just accidentally happen. What is it? It is intentional. We must make a choice every day that this day, Lord, Jesus, I want to follow you. And so today I will deny myself and I will take up my cross and I will follow you. And then that will flavor, fuel every other relationship I have this day. It has to be a daily thing. It's that intentional. Broad is the road, is the path that leads to destruction, says Jesus. And many are those who take it. But narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. And few are those who find it. You don't just stumble along and accidentally fall into intentional fellowship. It must be a choice that we do daily. That is the noun. And then there's the, the verb aspect of fellowship, which is a partnership. There's this partnering. The ver partnership is actually a noun. But partnering. There is this relationship that is fueled and driven by God that leads to a partnering with others who are in relationship with God and it's all fueled by that relationship. This is, a this is our community in action, listen, with a single-minded purpose of glorifying God by sharing the gospel. Everything we do must be accented, seasoned, driven, dripping, marinated with the gospel. It ought to come out of us. And that is fellowship. Look, this cannot be reversed, this relationship with God. This community with God cannot be reversed to, to be a biblical fellowship. When we reverse this, when we are, choose to be in relationship with others and then God, our fellowship with God is self-centered. If our fellowship with God is all about us, then our fellowship with others will be the same. If we've not denied ourselves and taken up our cross and follow God, to follow God, instead we're going, we, we define our fellowship with God with what we can get from Him. God, bless me. Bless her. 
heal her. Whatever. Whatever it is. Gimme, gimme, gimme. If we see our relationship with God like He's a giant cosmic Santa Claus that we just take our list to, say, here it is. I'll get, get back with me when it's in the mail. If that's our relationship with God, well then guess what? Your relationship with people is going to be the same. Now you can, you can hide it behind all kinds of stuff, but when you boil it down, what's left in the pot is selfishness. If your relationship with God is like that, then your relationship with others is going to be like, well, you don't tell me that, preacher. I do everything for my kids. They come first. Yep, and that's selfish. Because that's really all about you. Sorry, I had to say it. I do everything for my spouse. I give up and give up so that my spouse can have. That's not selfish. Yeah, it is. Sorry. Somebody had to put on some pants and tell you that. It is. I give to my job. I give to my career. I give to my school. I do. I do. I don't. I don't. I deny myself. I don't ever. Check your motivation. Are you doing that out of a love for God? Because the first and foremost relationship in your life is God. Is that why you're doing that? Or is it because you're afraid mama's going to hear you did something different? What is your motivation? Look, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not telling you anything that might step on your toes that Holy Spirit hadn't stomped on mine for first. I know that's selfish because I do it. If I'm not daily taking up my cross... And following him. Denying myself. If fellowship with God is all about us. Then our fellowship with others will be the same. And look. Again. If our purpose as, as a community. Is selfishly motivated. If we're not. If we're not acting. With a single mindedness. Single minded focus of sharing God. Of, the, of glorifying God by sharing the gospel then the results of our community in action will glorify ourselves. Why do we give out food for the hungry? Is it so First Baptist Church has a good name in the community? Or is it because it glorifies God? We've got to check it. Why do we offer grief share? Celebrate recovery? Why do we offer it? Is it because it gives us a good name in the community? Or is it because it glorifies God? We got to make sure. We got to make sure. I believe wholeheartedly that that is the purpose that those ministries were started at First Baptist Church. But we got to daily take up our cross to make sure that's the purpose it always is. Does that make sense? If we're, not, if we're not careful, it's going to slip over into glorifying ourselves and not glorifying God. So let me tell you about three ways a fellowship looks like. Well, three ways, three, 
Let me tell you what fellowship looks like in three thoughts when we get it wrong. Okay, now this is in your, in your notes, okay? Here we go. Thought number one. We get biblical fellowship wrong when we view it as an event and not a lifestyle. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. You see that? Our fellowship is with God and His Son Jesus and we, want, we shared this with you so you could enter into that fellowship with us. Okay? And then verse 4, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There's nothing that brings us more joy, that completes our joy, like when someone else enters into the fellowship with us that is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. When we make biblical fellowship about an event and not a lifestyle, then we get it wrong. See, what happens is the facilitators of fellowship become the focus of fellowship. It, doesn't beca- it's, it becomes about the, the thing we're doing and not the one we're praising. Right? Amen? Breaking of bread becomes the why. Instead of the means. Wednesday night fellowship dinner is about eating. And not having opportunity to sit around table with some good fried chicken and this week some spaghetti. And talk about Jesus. And share what's going on in our lives. How can I pray for you? This is opportunity for us to enter into gospel conversation. Do you not see? This is a partnership with First Baptist Church and those who come to affect the world for change with the gospel of Jesus. It's not just about eating chicken. Movie night becomes about seeing a good movie. Instead of reaching the lost. Goodness, we'd look at the movie night and say, I don't know if I'm going to go. I've seen that movie. (laughs) Will Smith, I don't know. He was okay. He was no Robin Williams. And that's what happens instead of, who can I find to bring? So maybe I could share the gospel with them. Twice during that event. Once at the beginning and once at the end, we talked about Jesus. And we're more concerned about who stars in the movie. Fellowship is wrong when we make it about the event and not a lifestyle. Thought number two. I'm a little passionate about this. Thought number two. We get fellowship wrong when we view it as optional instead of essential. Continuing in 1 John 1, verse 6 and 7. John says this, If we say we have fellowship with Him 
while we walk in darkness, we lie. Woo! I didn't say that. But thank you, John, for saying it. We lie. And do not practice the truth. Next verse. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. There's no more important subject of a conversation than how the gospel has changed your life. And we, when we make it about felt that kind of fellowship is optional and not essential, and we get it wrong. We pick and choose when we have fellowship and with whom. Fellowship is based on having then a good result. That was great fellowship because that was a great event. The results of our fall festival are counted as a success because we gave away 800 hot dogs. And not on how many gospel conversations we had. I'm not saying that's what, it, what, <laughs> what was, is our barometer for success. I'm just saying, if we're not careful, how was Fall Festival? Man, it was a hit. 800 hot dogs. And then fellowship, when we have this attitude, is about me and those like me. And not trying to reach others with the gospel. And thought number three. I thought it would be okay to wear the sweater today. I thought it would be cool enough, but... Thought number three, we get biblical fellowship wrong. Ready? Wow. Get, your, get ready, your toes, all our toes about to hurt. We get biblical fellowship wrong when we limit it to being nice and not being accountable. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Let's go through this real quick. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So, if there's any, so complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. We think we're in good fellowship when when, when we're comfortable with those in fellowship with us. It's all about making sure there's a, we're comfortable. So we don't talk about hard things. Fellowship happens when everyone agrees with me. Fellowship is defined by cliques instead of koinonia. Look, I, I, I speak so passionately about this because I have stunk so bad at it. And God has convicted me. This is how we go about 
making friends. And next week, we're going to talk about the difference between friendship and fellowship. Okay? But this is how we go about making friends. We walk in a room this size and we go, okay. Hmm. Who looks like me? Who talks like me? Who dresses like me? Who is that? Ooh, I like his this. I like her that. Wait a minute. I think I heard them talking about hunting. Fishing? Going junking? George Bulldogs? Florida Gators? Tua Tonga Valoa? That's where I'm going. And in effect, you don't choose your friends. You think you are. But you go to those people who you think look like you, talk like you, think like you, what, drink like you, whatever. You go to those people and you're asking permission. Can I be one of your friends? I'm like you. That's what we do. That's what we do. And our friends then choose us rather than we choose our friends. This is how we ought to see friends. We all see them in, if we're intentional about this, about friendship, intentional about fellowship, this is what it ought to look like. There ought to be three circles. A great big circle is the biggest one. This is called, you might want to write this down, this is your circle of concern. It's a great big circle. Circle of concern. These are people that you are intentional about being in relationship with in order to Lead them to Christ. There ought to be, look, that ought to be the biggest one because look, there's a heap of them. There's a heap of folks that need to hear the gospel, are waiting to hear the gospel. <clears throat> and we just hadn't shared it. It's your circle of concern. You pick the what, the when, the why, the where. You pick it. Because you've intentionally chosen to be in relationship with these people in order to lead them to Christ. You get it? Then there's a smaller circle inside the circle of concern. It's called the circle of influence. These are people you have been intentional about entering into relationship with because they will make you more like Jesus. It's intentional. And you choose to be in relationship with them because they will hold you accountable. And they will give you permission to hold them accountable. And then you're comfortable in that relationship. For them to choose, as, long as, as well as you, the who, the what, the where, the when. Because you know that you're together, sharpening one another to become more like Christ. That's your circle of concern. Now... Single folks, listen to me close. Listen to me real good. The smallest circle is the circle of intimacy. And it must always, 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 always have one person there. I'm talking about a human being. You're forever love. And that person must always, always, always come from the circle 
of influence and not the circle of concern. There's no more important relationship on the planet than that relationship, the human relationship, that relationship right there. And this person must be the person that more above any other person on the planet spurs you on to be like Jesus. Hey, if you're looking for that Mr. Right or Mr. Wrong right now, right now no, I hope you're not looking for Mr. Right or Mr. Wrong. I meant to say Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. <laughs> Delete. Delete that. Some of you might be looking for Mr. Wrong. That is a different sermon. But if you're looking for that person right now, the Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, hey, listen, stop looking for that person. You start being that person. You start being Mr. Right. You start being Mrs. Right. And you get in a relationship with Jesus that is intense. That that relationship with Jesus defines who you are. And the first word you say in the morning is, Good morning, Jesus. You start being that person and you'll attract Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. That's what you do. If you start, if you're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and you're not in that relationship with Jesus, then that can look differently. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Fellowship. It is intentional. Intentional. I choose today. To follow you, Christ, and understand. And to do that, I must deny myself. That my relationship with you cannot be based on what I want. My re- and so therefore, my relationship with others can't be based on what I want. That I will deny myself and I will take up my cross. It will not be about me. I will consider the needs of others as greater than my own. I will follow your example, Jesus. And that although you were God... You humbled yourself and became a man and, was, and were obedient. Jesus, you were obedient even to death. Death on a cross. I will model myself after that. I can't be you. But I will aspire to be called a Christian because I am like you. And then that will season all my relationships to come. And then that will be biblical fellowship. Today we talked about when we get it wrong. It's a little hard. My toes hurt. Next week, when we get it right, oh, how sweet. Amen? So if you're here today, if you're here today and you're seeking, you're seeking, maybe you come to church for the first time in a long, long time. I bet, I don't know what you were expecting, but this is what you got. 
So glad you're here. But may, maybe you're seeking. And you're, you've tried all kinds of things. And maybe there's something about this, these relationships and fellowship that is connected with you. And there's something about this biblical fellowship. that you, Hey, I'll, okay. You, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm in. Let me tell you how to become a follower of Christ. Let me tell you how to do that. It's real complicated. You just, it's simple, but not simplistic. It's hard. First, you admit that you're not perfect. You admit that you are not perfect, and that imperfection, which the Bible calls sin, separates us from God. And the the only way we can enjoy the life with the purpose that God created us to have is to be in fellowship with Him. But our sin separates us from Him. So you admit that that's true about you. And then you believe that Jesus is the antidote to that disease. Jesus is the answer, solution to that problem. And that he did what he said he did, and it's all true. Do you believe? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You believe that. And then you trust God. Here it is, God. Here's my life. I don't, it's not perfect. It's messed up. But for what it's worth, I'm yours. Teach me how to take up my cross and follow you. I want it. I want to. And let me tell you, when you do that, earth can't measure the celebration that happens in heaven. And Holy Spirit comes then to live in you. And now you're ready to live the life with the purpose that God intended for you all along. If that's what you want to do today, pray this prayer with me. Let's bow our heads. God, I know I've done things that the Bible says are sin and that separates me from you. I'm sorry. I believe, Jesus, that you are the answer to that problem. And I trust you with my life for the rest of my life. Take me and make me like your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I'd like you to come tell me. I'd like to tell you what comes next. Or you can check that box on the rip card, okay? If there's something else, if God has spoken to you in some way today and you need prayer, come forward. Come kneel at the altar and pray. Or you can come to me and I'd be happy to pray with you. Right now, let's stand and let's worship this great God.